Last week we started out in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created. Then we looked at John 1-1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with him. And then we looked at 1 John 1-4 through and it says in the beginning. And it talks about the Christmas story, but it doesn't use the words and the verbiage that we're used to hearing from Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2 as far as the shepherds and the angels and the, you know, the wise men and, and that. But it, it very succinctly tells the Christmas story. And, and in that, John, the, the verbs that he used and he wrote, it, it was very much like a courtroom deposition. It was a strong eyewitness testimony. It was from somebody that was there that saw it. And it was obvious that it wasn't just hearsay. That this was the type of testimony that John would have stood up and given in a court of law. He says, we have seen to it, we testify it. God became flesh. He was here. We know that he was here. Then we, we spent a short time in, uh, towards the end of the message looking at Matthew 1 and, and 2 about the faith of Joseph and his obedience. Each time there's three or four different occasions where the angel came to him and told him to do something, and, and it says, and he did it. He, he didn't argue. He didn't have a discussion. There was no debate. There, there was no reasoning. He obeyed because he knew that the word came from an angel of the Lord. And so he was obedient. He showed his faith. That's how we show our love to God is by our obedience to his words. And if we disobey his words, then we're showing him that we don't love him. Not in the way that we need to. And that was always, I always tell the difference between David and Saul. They both sinned, but David repented. Saul wouldn't. And that's where we're at in our lives. We all sin, but we need to repent and come to the Father and accept his forgiveness for the sins that we commit. So today, um, oh, I just wanted to tie in from last week a chance I didn't get. Um, I've abbreviated the reading, but uh, Bill Crowder has a book, Windows on Christmas, He says, I love music, all kinds of music, but for years I deliberately ignored country music. Uh, Perhaps it was a little rebellion from my West Virginia roots. Then a few years ago, my daughter convinced me to listen to some country, and, well, I got hooked. He said, partly because the lyrics and writing were so clever, and partly because the songs often told stories. One of the first artists my daughter had me listen to was, ironically, a fellow West Virginian. His name is Brad Paisley, and he is as engaging as he is entertaining. Many of his songs, like Celebrity or I'm Gonna Miss Her, are knee-slapping hilarious. Others, like I Wish You'd Stay or When I Get Where I'm Going, are more serious and poignant. In that latter category is a song entitled, He Didn't Have to Be. I hope I make through this, guys. (laughs) because um, I know what's coming. He, he didn't have to be, which tells the story of a boy who is the only child of a single mom. Whenever a man asks the young mom on a date, the relationship quickly evaporates when the aspiring suitor sees that she has a little boy. Time after time, the boy watches helplessly as her mother, his mother loses 
what he thinks is another chance at happiness. Knowing all the while that it's because of him. Then one day a man comes to call and with a smile invites the boy to come along with them on their date. A bond of love and appreciation grows between the boy and the man who eventually becomes his stepfather. Now, singing as an adult, he celebrates growing up with the love and acceptance of a stepfather who made their house a home and their twosome into a trio. Now married himself, the young man stands beside, outside the observation window of a hospital nursery looking at his own newborn baby with his stepfather at his side. His longing and desire and prayer that, hmm, that he will be able to be half the dad that his stepfather didn't have to be. The man he had grown to love as his father could have turned around and walked away. He had a choice, and he chose to be a dad. He chose to be what he didn't have to be. He chose to love. The songs reminds me of the Christmas story because it reminds me of a central, uh, though silent and almost invisible character in the drama of Christ's birth. Jesus... The carpenter, or excuse me, Joseph, the carpenter of Nazareth. He too made choices. He too could have turned and walked away. Instead, he undertook willingly and obediently what could arguably be the most important task in the universe to be the stepfather to the Son of God. He was obedient at great personal cost, choosing to be what he didn't have to be. And it all began with, as was the case with Mary and the shepherds, an angelic visitor. Perhaps Joseph waited long to marry and now anticipated the consummation of his marriage to his young bride. Their betrothal meant that they were legally bound to each other, though yet not living together, as husband and wife. Imagine Joseph's heartache when he heard that Mary, his pure and godly young fiance, was pregnant. Her apparent betrayal must have rocked his world. How could she do this, and who was the man who participated in that betrayal? If word of Mary's pregnancy got out, he would be publicly humiliated, an object of pity and ridicule. Yet his response was not one of revenge or even of a demand for justice. He could have demanded that his intended bride be stoned to death for the sin of adultery. Although there was no sexual relationship between the bride and groom during the betrothal period, the arrangement was legally binded and could only be ended in divorce. Death by stoning, his options. Death by stoning, which would publicly exonerate him, or a quiet dissolution of the marriage contract that would remove her from his life. Joseph had a choice to make, and he received a, a visit from an angel, and the angel said, don't be afraid to take her as your wife, and being obedient, he did. He did what the angel told him to, and he named him, the angel told him to name the child Jesus, and he did that, and then the angel told him to get out and go to Egypt, and he did that. And then at some point, the angel told him to go back home, and he did that. He was very obedient. He showed his, his faith and his, and his love for God by being obedient and doing what he was told. 
And now today we're going to look at Mary, and we're, we're going to look at her obedience and, and her faith and, and what it meant in her life. Open God's words with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses 26 through 38, and then we'll address some things there, and then we'll read 39 to 55. But beginning in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, the angel said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I know this is such a, a familiar passage, but wow, is there a lot here. And we're going we're gonna to try to unpack some of it and look at it today. Verse 34, Mary says, How can this be since I am a virgin in in if you look back earlier in the chapel, chapter, the first 25 verses is, is mainly talking about uh, uh, Zacharias, whose, whose wife was old and hadn't been able to have children. And an angel came to him and said, your wife is going to have a child. And he's like, yeah, right. Not a chance. There's a difference between... Zacharias's heart and Mary's. Mary doubts because she, she says, how can this be? I don't get it. Zacharias doubted because he didn't have faith that God would do what he said he would do. And so do you remember Zacharias was mute from that point until the baby was born. And when, when John the Baptist was born, they asked, they asked the parents what the, the baby's name was going to be, and mom said, John. 
And, and that wasn't because dad couldn't speak. Well, that wasn't appropriate for that culture. They, they weren't going to officially name him John until they got the word from dad. And so dad asked for a tablet and he wrote it down. His name is John. And then, it go, of course, we know the story. He could, he could speak again. But there was a difference, and, and it just, there, there are so many, so many messages in, in this passage. But the, this one here is just, again, God looks at the heart. He's not concerned about the outward appearance. He doesn't care if we have purple hair, yellow hair, or green hair. He, he doesn't care if we have a suit and tie on. He doesn't care if, if we come in shorts and sandals and a t-shirt. Because what he's concerned about is the heart. He, he wants to know what's in here. I, I know I've many times told about telling our kids when they dress themselves for school, just be modest, you got to be covered. But we left it up to them because we wanted them to have the right heart attitude when they went to school, not grouching at mom and dad because we, we made them do something they didn't, they, that they didn't want to wear. The important thing was that their heart was right. And so we have here, the, we see the difference between Zacharias' heart and Mary's heart. And, and her, her, hers is, a, is an innocent question. Um, and if you think about it, Mary, the scholars say that Mary was probably between 12 and 16 years old. Can you imagine, as those of you that are ladies, can you imagine at 12 years old having an angel come and telling you this? you probably would have reacted in a whole lot of the same way that Mary did. Mary, Mary grew up in the Jewish family and culture, and so she wasn't educated like the boys were at that point. She was aware of the customs. She was aware that as a people, as a nation, they were looking for the Messiah to come. They were looking for Jesus. So she knew what this was about. And she said, but wait a minute, how, how can I be pregnant when I haven't been with a man, that this just doesn't make sense. So, uh, again, the, 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 the doubt that, that Mary had wasn't that it couldn't be done or couldn't be possible, like Zacharias didn't believe. So that, that's kind of the difference between, between where Zacharias was. And, where, and obviously, Zacharias, Zacharias believed, and as you, you read uh, from 18 to 25 in that chapter, you see his heart. And, and he was just rejoicing that, that, again, God would use him and his wife even uh, to have this child that would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Now, in this sixth month, the angel Gabriel, verse 26, was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. Do we? Thank you, Stephen. Now, Nazareth is up here just a little bit west and a little bit south of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, Jerusalem is down here. They got it out in the, in the water there, but it points in here. Here's Jerusalem just at the north end of the Dead Sea. And Bethlehem is about 10 or 12 miles south of, of Jerusalem. But this distance from Nazareth to Bethlehem is about 90 miles. It's, gonna, it's a good three-day travel on a donkey. Okay, just keep that in your mind. We'll come back to that. Verse 27, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. And as we saw a little bit in, the, in this, reading this story from Bill Crowder there, that 
the, an engagement then was, had, had the legal binding that our marriages do today. You, you just didn't walk away from an engagement, okay? It, 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 in order to walk away from an engagement, you had to get a divorce, basically, in the terms that we would understand. So it was, it was serious business. They, they, they weren't living together as husband and wife yet, but, but they had this, this very serious uh, commitment made to each other. It wasn't just a whim, okay? There, there, was, there was thought and in, in, in time and in, in energy building this relationship um, that, that brought about the engagement, but you just didn't walk away from it. We know that Joseph was of the descendants of David, just like prophecy said it would be. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, the angel said, Hail, favored one. And we're going we're gonna to tear this apart just a little bit. Um, you'll see it again, the same phrase in verse 30, where the angel again said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Hold your finger here. Well, no, let me explain it a little bit first. The, the, the word favored one uh, could be uh, translated woman richly blessed or uh, as Erwin as Lutzer likes to, likes to put it, it becomes an infinitive, to be graced. You, you are to be graced by God, by the Lord. The Lord is with you. You are to, to be graced. And in our song... Um, O little town of Bethlehem, it says, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Does that sound a little odd? But it's, 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 it's directly taken from, from this verse. Don't know if he, he understood or realized that at the time, the, the fellow that wrote the song. But the angel says to Mary... You are to be graced. The Lord is with you. How, how can this one be born in us today? Hold your finger here and look at me, look with me real quick to Ephesians chapter 1. I, I love passages like 1 John 1 through 4 that we looked at last week, and, and this one because. We, we don't always tie them back into the Christmas story, but they are so much as a direct result of the coming of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.6, let me start in verse 5. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us, in the beloved, that freely bestowed is the same Greek verb as we have, hail favored one. You, Mary, you have found favor with God to be graced, to be graced by the Lord. We are here, verse 6 of Ephesians 1, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us. Hail favored ones, we are favored in him. 
The grace that, that Mary was to see by the Savior being implanted in her womb is the same grace that we have when Jesus Christ comes into our hearts. We are to be graced in the Father, in the, in the Lord, through Jesus Christ. Back to, back to, uh, back to Luke. So this, this angel has come to this young girl. Again, she could be as young as 12 years old. And the angel says, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29 says, But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. Again, if an angel came to you and had a message like this, don't you think you might have scratched your head a little bit? Say, huh? Really? How can that be? How can this happen? The greatly troubled uh, could also be translated deeply distressed. Twelve-year-old girl, angel of the Lord, you could understand why she might just be a little, a little bit out of her element. Just trying to figure it out. And the, the, term, the, the term there says she kept pondering. I, I love, th- this is my kind of term here, pondering. In, in the Greek, it, it, it's, a, it's an accounting term. To ponder. It's, it's an accounting term to make an audit. To be intentionally rational. And if you think of an IRS audit and the, the auditor sitting down looking through your taxes... He's looking at any, for any irregularities, okay? just makes me think of the Bureau of Engraving. They teach their people, they only look at the real thing. They only look at real bills. They don't show them counterfeit bills. All they do is show them the real thing. So that someday, in their, in, if they're about their work, they see something that is a counterfeit, it'll jump off the charts at them because they've never seen anything like that before. They've only seen the true thing, the real thing. And that's what an auditor does when he's looking through your financial books. He's looking for any irregularities, anything that just doesn't quite add up, literally, doesn't quite add up in, in the columns as, as they should. And it's a very intentional search through those records. Another, another slant on that is, is one, uh, one, one way to... to to look at it is, is not just the accounting audit, but is, is to have a dialogue with yourself. And, and I remember sitting in my audit classes as, as I was taking accounting courses that I, I, I would frequently talk to myself to try to make it make sense or to try to figure out why this wasn't adding up. Or, or they would, we would have case studies. It just blow your mind what people would do and get away with for years until an auditor came and said, time out, this just doesn't look right. And so Mary, in, 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 her, young, in her young life, she's kind of talking to herself. Not, not crazy-like. She's, she's trying to figure it out. She, she, she's, she's trying to parse the participle, so to speak. She's, she's trying to diagram the sentences. She's trying to tear it apart so she can understand it. And so she's, she's pondering what kind of salutation that this might be. And again, the, the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have been graced 
by God. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. For he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. That's the prophecy coming in from the Old Testament. And she had heard this before. In other words, she hadn't had the formal training that perhaps one of her brothers might have had. But she, she, it, it sounded familiar. She, she knew that, that this as a Jew, that this is what they looked for. They looked for the Messiah. It was, it was something to look forward to. Just trying to check my notes real quick. The beginning of verse 41, Behold, you will conceive in your womb. You're, you're going to be pregnant, Mary. And, and that's what she says again in verse 34. How can this be, since I am a virgin? And, and she understands that, that she is engaged to Joseph, that there's legal ramifications, and that, that if, if Joseph so desired, he could have her stoned for adultery. Even though they hadn't consummated their marriage yet, they were engaged and that held the weight of being married. And so for her to be pregnant, obviously she committed adultery, right? She had never been with Joseph, so she must have done something wrong. The angel said, this is how it's going to happen, Mary. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Again, think of a 12-year-old girl being told, you are going to bear the Son of God. You're going to be pregnant without ever being intimate with a man. You're going to be pregnant by the power of the Almighty God through the Holy Spirit. What an incredible you, yeah, you can wonder. Okay, uh, flip over with me uh, just a couple pages to chapter 2. Here we go. Verse 19. After, this, after the birth of Jesus and the shepherds came, uh, Luke two nineteen. Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. She's gone through the whole pregnancy. She's delivered the baby. And she's still pondering these things in her heart. She's still having that dialogue with herself. She's still trying to figure out, how, how can this be? How can this be? And the angel told her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in the power of the Most High. Let's look at verse 37 for a minute. I, I really, really like this verse. Because there's, uh, there's, there's, okay, the, the way the New American Standard says is, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. Now, the more direct translation from the Greek, if you do an exact 
parsing and paring, tearing this apart. It really should have been translated for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. What does it say in John chapter 1? Who is the word? Jesus Christ is the word. And Christ was the word from the beginning and he was with God. So no, for no word from God will ever fail. I mean, that, 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 that verse, that translation, for nothing will be impossible with God, has, has good meaning to it and has a, a good sense to it. But, but I think it's even more opens our eyes and we can see, for no word from God will ever fail. Jesus Christ will never fail. In His sending His Son, His Son will never fail. And in one, one, another, uh, another translation says, at the word of God, nothing will be impossible. They all say the same thing, but they have, give you just a little different angle on it. At the word of God, again, John 1, what is the word? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word of God. So this will never fail. Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel de departed from her. Wow, here's this little girl with this kind of faith. Her parents obviously did some good training and bringing up in, in, the, in the word and, and in the, the teachings of the Jews. Teaching the Old Testament. The angel come, says, comes and says, this is what's going to happen to you. And this is who your baby's going to be. And Mary says, I'm your servant, God. I am your bond slave. The, the, the word translated there is, is that she is a, maid, is a, a handmaiden that that is the lowest form of a female slave that you could possibly be. Would be the handmaid. Did the dirtiest, lowliest jobs as a slave. Mary says, do it, Lord. I'm yours. She didn't fight. Didn't argue. She didn't understand it all. She didn't even understand it nine months later after she had the baby because she was still pondering it in her heart. She was a strong woman. I mentioned that, that they took that journey. She was nine months pregnant. And Joseph was being obedient. And he took, he took Mary with him a 90-mile trek on a donkey, and she's nine months pregnant. That's a strong young lady right there. And if you'll look with me in chapter 2 of Luke, just briefly at verse 34 and 35. Remember, Simeon was the one, he was the priest that the Lord had promised him he wouldn't die, physically have death on this earth until he saw the Lord's salvation, until he saw the Lord's Christ. 
the Messiah. And in verse 34, Simon and Mary and Joseph have brought the baby Jesus for the, 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 the ritual uh, circumcision and, and what was to be done with the baby. In verse 14, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. Now he's talking to Mary. He's not talking to Joseph, okay? He's talking to Mary. And he said, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign to the opposed. And this, this is, verse 35, is specifically for Mary. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And she was there when her son was crucified on the cross. And she had to know, is an eight-day-old baby coming to the, to the temple to be circumcised. The priest is telling her, your son is going to be pierced. You're going to have to endure this as his mother. You're going to endure this pain. And again, she didn't know all the ramifications when the angel first came to her. But when the angel was done with the message, she says, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. Strong young lady. Mary surrendered before knowing all that Jesus was going to do for her. Tim Keller says, our, our greatest motive for surrendering to Him cannot be for what He did in us. It must be to love Him for what He did for us. Ephesians 1.6, we have been graced to the same degree and the same extent that Mary was graced by having the Son of God placed in her womb. We have been graced. Again, O little, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. For the sake of time, I won't go on, but if you read 39 to 50, 55, um, tells the story of Mary going to her, to her aunt's house. Elizabeth, Zacharias's wife, who's now pregnant with John the Baptist. And as she walks in, Elizabeth knows that the baby in her, in her womb has jumped for joy because Mary is pregnant with the Savior of the world. And somehow that message was passed along to John the Baptist. And as a baby in his mother's womb, he's jumping for joy. Wait a minute. There we go. Verse 46, and I'm going to read 46 to 49. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from him on all generations will count me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Holy is his name. And she, she still, I mean, she's 13, 14 years old. And she's got it. She understands. She's got it right. It's all about him. It's not about her. 
We are not to worship Mary. We are to worship Jesus Christ. We are to worship our God and Savior. It's not about Mary. And Mary takes this opportunity to exalt and praise His name. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. Holy is His name. Holy is His name. From, from, the, from the angel coming and, and her like, wow, what, what does this all mean? She didn't know. But as she learns, as time goes on, and then she's there to see the crucifixion of her son, realizing and understanding that, that what was done in her, and, and, and you know, Joseph and Mary, what, the, the stairs that they would have had to put up with in their own hometown, People knew that they weren't officially married yet, and, and yet she's pregnant. And they, you know, you do the math, that accounting thing. You take the audit of the days, and it's like, something went on here that shouldn't have. It was through the power of God and the Holy Spirit that placed our Savior in Mary's womb. And, and you, could, you could talk about predestination and foreknowledge and free will, but God knew who he picked in Mary and Joseph. For all of time to come down to this, that this was the time, this was the couple that God was going to share his son with the world. And this is how he was going to do it. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is my soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Come on, folks. Amen and amen. This is God's Word. This isn't me speaking, okay? This is God's Word. It's okay to say amen and amen to God's Word. My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for his humble, for the humble state of his bond slave. The mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Father, thank you. Thank you for the beauty of the story. Thank you for the faith of Joseph and the faith of Mary. their honest devotion to you, to when your messenger came and give a, gave a message, they said yes. They went. They did it. Whatever the angel told them to do, whatever the message from God was, they did it. Thank you for the beauty of this, Father, for the simplicity. Thank you for the, the, the faithful servants that Mary and Joseph were, Father that you use them to bring your son to us, that we could be graced to. Father, help us to slow down in this season to look to your son for peace, 
for forgiveness, for love, for eternal salvation that only comes through the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.